Hey lovelies, this is For Us, Chapter 29, Punching Above His Weight Class. John was still thinking about Pete's sex talk when he pulled up to the house for work, and he had to consciously fold those feelings up and tuck them away for later as he got out of his car. As he stepped through the door, the smell of roasting turkey, butter, and onions filled his senses. Naomi was in the kitchen, a bright red apron, complete with ruffles, wrapped around her full body, whisking up the drippings on the stove. A glorious turkey, crisp and brown and oozing with juices, sat on the sideboard resting. Naomi, it smells wonderful, John said. Thank you for coming in to do Thanksgiving dinner for us. With the boys heading to spend the long weekend with their grandma on the reserve, this was their chance to have a meal with them. Naomi's face beamed back at him. My pleasure. I told my Theodore I'd bring him a plate so he's not missing out. With just the two of us empty nesters home now, I wasn't going to go to all the trouble to make a turkey. He's pleased as punch. As are we all, John said reverently. His mouth was already watering. Angel was in the office, her hands full of fat tissue paper turkey decorations she was trying to assemble, the tip of her tongue sticking out as she fiendishly stapled their bodies. I think I figured these out, boss. Sorry about the mess. There was a scrap of tissue paper caught in the tussled waves of her faded red hair, and the floor was littered with the disfigured remains of the failed experiments. John laughed quietly as he hung up his coat and shrugged his hoodie straight on his body. It's a bit of a horror show in here, Angel. I'll clean it up. Look! She held up her finished turkey, its tissue body unfurled as big as her head, and its, its head was only slightly lopsided on its bent cardboard neck. Uh-huh. Thing of beauty, John said. Lopsided tissue turkeys presided over their dinner table, packed with not only Dusty, Jordan, and Grace, and the usual day staff, but also with all the staff who were free to join that day, pulling up folded chairs, cramming elbow to elbow. John said the Grace his father had so often spoken over their family meals, and everyone dug into Naomi's feast of turkey, fluffy garlic, mashed potatoes, candied yams, brown rice dressing for John, and savory bread dressing in a pan for everyone else. The only green on the table was Angel's tissue decorations and a dish of roasted Brussels sprouts, which John noticed the children avoided completely. He had two helpings. They melted in his mouth like veggie caramel, and he almost passed out from bliss. As Naomi was slicing the pumpkin pies, Jordan spoke up at John's right. I told my teacher today I'm a girl. Alert quiet rippled over the table as each person registered his words. Only Dusty wasn't paying attention, busy licking the gravy off his plate. I want to be a girl, Jordan said again, his black eyes snapping as they met John's. John smiled back at him, worry niggling at his stomach. We'll love you whatever you are, he said. We're proud of who you're becoming, Jordan. You're kind and smart and courageous. Angel will help you go through your closet and get you girl things, okay? Whatever you need. Jordan smiled back, dug in her head. Okay. Do you want us to call you something different? John asked carefully. I'm a she, Jordan said firmly. Or you can call me they, them. Everybody should just use they, them. It makes more sense. John laughed wryly. Well, you're not going to change everybody's mind on that anytime soon, but in this house, we'll use she, them pronouns for you. It doesn't change anything about who you are to us. You belong here, Jordan. John swept his eyes around the table, seeing some mixed expressions on the faces of the other staff. 
and worry similar to his own inner feelings on Naomi's kind face. Jordan had a hard road ahead, and they would do their best to smooth it for her. Who's ready for pie? John asked. When shift was done, Jordan's change of pronoun logged in the shift notes for the staff who had not been present, and John's notes on transgender identity ready for training the next morning, John wearily shrugged into his jacket and said his farewell to the night staff. In his car, he checked his personal phone. One message from Kurt. How shift? Practice done at midnight. Fingers crossed. Red heart. Am I seeing you? He should have been exhausted, but the thought of seeing Kurt for longer than 15 minutes and falling asleep together gave him fresh energy. I'll tell you about it when, it, when you get home. Red heart. See you tonight. After a stretch of night shifts, John wasn't used to winding down in the dark. He made a pot of coffee instead and showered and stretched, candlelight flickering on the walls of the living room while a playlist Kurt had made for him unspooled. It felt as though time held still, expectant. He became aware again of the things his father had said to him, holding them in his body as he flowed through the yoga poses and then inverted into a headstand. A thousand tiny adjustments were needed to hold this position and John's muscles shook slightly with exertion while he breathed evenly, filling his ribs, feeling the tension in his neck release, his lower back shifting to correctly align his spine. You could not know if your posture was off or if your balance was out when you inverted into a headstand. Kurt's casual words the previous weekend, suggesting that John was just having a fling with him because he was easy and in reach, had stung him and left a mark. The last thing John wanted was a sexy, disposable, short-term relationship. And he guessed part of his reluctance to get physically involved with another man was the unconscious fear that that was inevitably where two gay men ended up. Pete's words painted a different picture that John could imagine himself in, wholly consistent with the person he was kneeling at the communion rail or tucking his kids into bed. John's body wasn't disposable. It was a good gift. And he believed that for Kurt as well. His breath was unsteady and he stepped out of the headstand and folded into child's pose, kneeling with his forehead on the mat and his arms outstretched. Sighing, he felt the last of his tension release. That's what you want, Jesus God? He felt a strong sense of yes in his spirit. Then that's what I want. He didn't know what Kurt wanted, but he knew now what he was making space for working on their relationship in hopes that they would weave into a hole that would last long-term. When Kurt didn't show at midnight, John tidied his room and then the room he shared with Kurt, picking up the clothes on the floor and sorting them and making both beds. It felt very deja vu since he'd done this exact thing for the kids in his house every morning this week. And he laughed a little to himself. Sometimes his work life and his home life felt exactly the same, just different laundry machines. At 20 to 1 in the morning, Kurt still wasn't home and John was sitting on the floor against the foot of their bed, working his way through a new level of Legend of Zelda on the handheld gaming system he'd treated himself to when he was promoted to manager two years ago. He barely had any time for it, but there was something very satisfying about playing as a little hero in a green cap and slaying monsters with swords. Finally, he heard the front door open, and Kurt running up the stairs two at a time. His boyfriend pulled up in the doorway of their room, worry creasing his face. John smiled at him from the floor. You were out late. Good practice? Kurt ducked his head in a nod. Got away as soon as I could. Sorry, White. I just need to shower quick. 
As he passed, John registered the sweet, sickly smell of alcohol mixed with cigarettes. Kurt's hair was disheveled and his sounds gay t-shirt was inside out, the tag sticking out like a tongue at the base of his neck. John frowned. Have you been drinking? Kurt shook his head, shucking his shirt off. Nikki and the guys. One of them spilled his beer on me, which is why I smell like a brewery. I just had iced tea. He touched John's eyes, his face strained. I swear I'm sober, John. Taste me. He leaned over to kiss John, and while the alcohol fumes surrounded his boyfriend's body, his mouth just tasted of lemons and the bitter tang of tea tannins. John was still frowning at him as he stripped to his briefs. Why was Nikki drinking with you there? That seems really disrespectful of your decision to stay sober. Kurt paused in the doorway, and John saw his ribs go in and out in a sigh. He only showed John half his face. Can we not talk about Nikki? Kurt asked. I've been looking forward to coming home to you for hours, and I just want to leave that shit at the door, you know? John clicked his gaming system shut, trying to fold away his growing mistrust of Kurt's ex-boyfriend as easily. Sure. While he listened to the splash of the shower, he pulled the pillows off the bed and tossed them on the floor. Inspiration hit, and he quickly used the chair and the end table to make a little sheet fort at the end of the bed, lit by the lamp standing up in the center. He heard Kurt chuckling before his boyfriend ducked his head through the opening and crawled inside the tent. We have a perfectly good bed, you know, he drawled. Cross-legged, his head brushing the sheet stretched over them, John smiled. I'm pretty sure if you want to keep me sleeping with you, we should keep the bed for sleeping. I do want you to keep sleeping with me, Kurt said agreeably, stretching up beside him. I've never slept so good in my life. Just the smell of you in my sheets is magic. John felt his cheeks warm. Thank you, I think? Kurt glanced up at him, looking far more relaxed than he'd been minutes ago. Tell me all the boring stories, White. I've missed you. How are your kids? John laid down facing him, propping his head on his elbow. He caught Kurt up about the Thanksgiving turkey Naomi had roasted and Jordan's announcement that she was a girl and the siblings' visit to the reserve this weekend. His head got tired and he tucked it onto Kurt's shoulder and the other man put his arm around him, pulling him close. As they breathed together in the close, warm space, John's mind shuttled back to high school, lying in a fort made of Kurt's blankets in the luxurious garage space he'd lived in then. Remember the day we made a pillow fort at your place? He asked softly. Kurt's, mm-hmm, hummed against his cheek. John asked the question he'd always wondered about. Did you know that you were gay that summer? Kurt made a soft noise. Oh, hell yes. I knew when I was nine years old kissing Davy Christofferson beside, behind the hill at recess. John put his chin on his chest to look in his face. Kurt's eyes were half-closed, contented and sleepy. I didn't guess you were until right at the end. It was so impossible for me to believe that Kurt Clausen would like me. Kurt's hand tightened on his shoulder. John's forehead wrinkled. How did you know I was? Kurt laughed to himself. You're not going to like it, he said. He reached over, brushing the pad of his thumb over John's cheeks. You're such a blusher, love. Even as he touched him, John felt his skin warm. He laughed dryly, hiding his face against Kurt. 
I have never appreciated that quality until now. I thought you were so adorable, Kurt said, and, God, all the things I wished I was. Good. Genuine. Brave. His hand stroked up the back of John's neck, rubbing the tension at the base of his skull. I still think that, he said quietly. John didn't know what to say. He didn't think of himself as brave, and whatever goodness he had didn't come easy. You know you're amazing, right? His voice was low, and he put his chin on his arm, slung over Kurt's ribcage to look in his boyfriend's face. Kurt's eyebrows were lifted like John was telling a joke. There's no one like you, Kurt Visser. He tapped his fingers against Kurt's heart in time with the name. Frowning a little, John bit his lip. It turned out he couldn't not say anything about this. That's what bothers me so much about Nikki. He's so patronizing towards you. When you're a capable, amazing person, you're not fucking dime a dozen. He's an idiot if he thinks that. Kurt's face went a little blank, and he sat up, pulling away from John. See, Kurt said, and then he shoved a hand through his hair, his mouth flat. I did not want to talk about this tonight, he said to himself. John bit his tongue on the more he would have loved to say, waiting, his hands folded on his knees. Kurt's face was tight, looking sideways at him. You get the best version of me. And Nicky got piece of shit, Kurt, who was drinking and homeless and fucking around. He pulled me back on my feet so I even have a chance with you. John's eyes narrowed, his skin prickling with anger. Even if that's true, he shouldn't keep treating you like piece of shit, Kurt, when this is who you are now. You don't know anything about him! Kurt threw out his hands expressively. You don't get to just judge him on one thing you heard. So Nikki has his shitty days, so do I. We work together because we know that about each other. John made a disgusted face at the phrase, we work together. He should treat you better, he said stubbornly. You're creative and talented and fucking 90% of what's good about your band. He should respect you and your decisions, like your decision not to drink. That is respect to Nikki. Kurt snapped. I'm a grown-up. I should be able to be out with my friends and say no to a drink and everybody doesn't have to change their plans for me. That's his way of showing respect. John snorted. Bullshit. That's his way of not considering you at all. I can't believe you're defending him right now. Kurt opened his mouth like he would say something more and then shut it, standing up and pulling the roof off of their tent. He tossed the pillows back on the bed and gathered up the sheet without looking at John. John got to his feet, his hands fisting at his sides. Are you serious right now? That's it? You're just going to bed? Kurt checked the sheet on the torn apart bed, an anticlimactic gesture because it just poofed open and settled gently on top of the mattress. I said I don't want to talk about Nikki. His voice was strained and low. Wait, I'm just trying to get through this week. I fucking hate where things are with him and the band, but it's not the time to take that on. We worked our asses off for this concert and I owe them. I gave Nikki a lot of shit over the years and now I can give him this, a little bit of the best version of Kurt. And then, you're right, I'm not stupid. I know something has to change, but I can't even look at that right now. He took an unsteady breath, his face hidden behind a wave of hair. All I'm aiming at here is surviving and coming home to you. Your standards are like up here. He put his hand over his head like he was measuring how far underwater he was. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky if I make it like here. He put his hand at hip level. That's just going to have to be good enough for Kurt. He pushed his hand against his chest, his mouth crooked. I'm fucking sorry if that's not good enough for you. Every word went in, undoing John's certainty that he was right. When Kurt turned aside, John caught him, wrapping his arms around his body from behind. It's good enough for me. He felt his boyfriend take an unsteady breath and tighten his arms around him, laying his cheek against his shoulder. I didn't know any of that, okay? I hear you now. No more Nikki till the concert is done. He put his burning face against his boyfriend's shirt, unable to say it right into the air. I'm sorry. The words were muffled. I shouldn't have pushed. Your boyfriend is an asshole sometimes, FYI. Kurt was silent, his head bowed, and John moved around in front of him, stroking his hair back to see his face. Okay? Kurt nodded once. He looked crumpled and small, and John felt like even more of an asshole. He brushed his knuckles over Kurt's cheek, his throat aching. Did you hear me say I'm sorry? I am Kurt. Kurt breathed out, closing his eyes and dropping his forehead against John's. I heard you, he said low. Can we just cuddle and go to sleep? I'm the furthest thing from sexy right now. Yeah, John said, half his mouth smiling. I love cuddling. I love sleep. Silently, they remade the bed together, pulling the sheets tight and the blankets up snug over the pillows. Sliding between the sheets, John reached for Kurt, sliding his hands under his boyfriend's nightshirt to press his palms against the bare skin of Kurt's chest, rough with stubble, and hug him as close as possible. Kurt sighed shakily and wove his fingers through John's. When John sparred with other men in jiu-jitsu, the rules were clear. He was almost always overmatched in terms of size, so he could throw his full weight into a fight without worrying about hurting someone. Over the years, something that he'd had to drum into his awareness about Carrie, who was by far his closest relationship, was that even though Carrie was twice his size, in real-life conflict, his friend was very fragile. The scars on Carrie's skin had healed up nice and tight, but the gaps and cracks under his skin from years of mistreatment at the hands of people who should have loved him still had open, jagged edges that could bruise him easily. It felt to John like he was there again with Kurt. On the surface, Kurt seemed more comfortable with his body than John was, but tonight John had thrown himself into this fight without considering the seams under Kurt's skin. The damage he was just beginning to find the edges of he was well aware of how much of a hurtful asshole he could be when he got a hold of something he really thought was right. John White punched above his weight class and always had. It wasn't something he was proud of. This was the dark side to the self-assurance that came from having parents who loved you so unwaveringly. John never hesitated or second-guessed himself. And he'd had to learn the hard way to consider the damage he might cause to others. Kurt dropped to sleep in his arms while John laid awake, wrestling with himself. Finally, breathing out, he thought to pray. I'm not ready for this, he admitted to Jesus. This is a terrible idea. I'm not good enough to love this man. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt him, and the last thing I want for Kurt is more pain. His eyes stung hot with tears. He felt, as he breathed in, like Jesus was saying, this relationship was his idea in the first place, and that he was pleased to weave Kurt even more closely with John, as if he wasn't afraid that John was going to fuck this up. Carefully, John pulled his arms free of Kurt's unconscious body, 
rolling onto his back so his tears slid into his ears. He put his arms over his head, his shuddering breath filling every corner of his ribcage. Whatever you want, Jesus God, you know it's always a yes from me. This has been For Us, Chapter 29 by Rachel Runnels. All rights reserved. Be well, lovelies, and have a good sleep.